Well, hello, heroes. Welcome to another fantastic episode of Hold No Heroes. It has been a long time because I'm new at this. And I thought that once I recorded my first episode, it'd kind of be like rolling downhill after that. But no, it turns out the little demons in my head that I need to fight, uh, I need to fight them every time I want to record an episode. So I, um, I'm here again, thanks to the good work of my good friend, Ken Culver. Hello, Ken. Hey there. And the thing is, you will be able to just do a podcast and not think about it after you've gotten it in like your routine. Yeah. It needs to be like, oh, for the last six months, I've been doing a podcast every other week. And then it's like, this is now a part of my life. Yeah. But when you're doing the first few, you're still like, it's not a part of your life. You're it just feels so pretentious it. to be like, to ask a friend like, hey, can you come over? And like, we have to make sure the audio is good. And the quiet. I have a hard enough time like, hey, sorry to bother you but would you would you like to hang out Ooh, i actually would, i have an like idea spend I, th- time? I think this could help yeah um just don't fucking listen to that dumbass voice because the truth of the matter is if, if i could ignore the want, voices in my head uh you do i'd be an voice. infinitely healthier person you do ignore the voices in your head if you didn't you would never get out of bed in the morning well i also just don't speak posture so a lot of them i can drone out i mean that does help um most of mine are dead languages so i you know it's fine um but the thing is reverse latin it's you know latin was my weakest language when i was in college but um and reversed it's almost impossible that's fair yeah anyway um ken came to me and he's just like hey uh you have this problem where uh you um beat yourself down so you don't record episodes uh and you're specifically having trouble getting over the hump of the thing you want to talk about right now is so fucking depressing. Let's talk about overcoming those things in light of current events. Specifically, you know, um, we're recording this now on January 11th. Um, the Iran war started about 10 days ago. Uh, <laughs> oh, hearing it that way, it's just, uh, okay. Continue, yeah, we, we are uh, 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 10 days past um, the assassination of Kasim Soleimani. And um, the outlets that I normally rely on to um, inform myself on our hellscape of a world, as well as to um, not focus on those things. Find some entertainment, find yeah. a little bit of like relief. Uh, Twitter, usually, social media uh, in general um it's all bad um even the joke accounts are just like hey it was an assassination like even the joke accounts are just arguing with like dc blob like uh monsters that are just like actually it was a good thing he was a bad man and he deserved to die and just like what the fuck are you talking about it's like why is the domino's twitter account arguing with the um vice admiral of the the navy (laughs) it's it's kind of hard when things are particularly serious in the world it's kind of hard for some people to move away from that and think that it's okay to have a little like levity and a little bit of uh relaxation fun whatever you want to call it yeah um so i think i think it's definitely a time where it's very difficult for many people to give themselves permission to kind of relax and go hey everything is very serious but we also have to have some joy in our lives we can't just dwell on pain or any of the bad stuff we need to be willing to relax a little bit and enjoy our lives as much as we can yeah and you know the 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 point of this episode in particular is that uh twitter is just a hellscape and like the day of or the day after um soleimani's uh droning um there were just uh i'd say like i don't know i saw a few brave posters trying to like tweet through it just trying to like make light of it and then i just saw like waves of people saying this is not a joking matter uh 
war with Iran is about to begin, like World War Three is like, I mean, the, the day it happened, the day the news came out, World War Three uh, and WW3 were the top trending topics internationally. Of course. So just like, cool, everybody's on board. I mean, everybody's on the same page, oh, not yeah, everybody's let's not on, say board. on board. Yeah. Well, it doesn't really matter, you know, uh, as uh, we're not the ones in control of that. Yeah. uh, As Iraq proved, it doesn't matter how many millions of people protest. uh, We're just doing it anyways. If anything, the uh, Trump administration has just proved to the Bush administration how easy it. I mean, you guys put forth all that effort. You sent Colin Powell over with a vial of white powder. You put a whole bunch of satellite pictures. You got Judith Miller on the front page (laughs) of the New York Times just beating those war drums. You guys worked so hard and you didn't have to. All you have to do is bomb one muslim guy and then you go ahead and start a world war look look, look. say what you will about america but for I decades intend to. oh well there's that for decades america's always been willing to go no we're, we're gonna do this war eh, it doesn't really matter if the people don't like it we're pretty much gonna do it anyway yeah it's always just uh, uh, uh you know to watch older movies it's just like you know the people that this is gonna dip in the polls the people are gonna like this and just see like politicians struggle with that but you know as people are fond of pointing out this isn't a democracy we kind of just you know there's uh uh a core group of probably, I don't know, 100, 200 people that just kind of make decisions for us. And uh, it is what it is. You know, um, the profits of uh, ExxonMobil uh, dictate foreign policy. That's where right. we're at. So speaking of things that are too depressing to go too deep into. Yeah. So the idea of this podcast, the idea that I tossed out was how do you reconcile that in your head and go, well, here's the important things we need to talk about. Because you, Richard Doom, want to talk about Iran, want to talk about this serious, important thing that's happening. At least vent. But you also need to have an outlet that's the fun side of things, the like not so heavy side of things. Yeah. So my thought was, if you don't mind me saying, was basically to just... Talk about both. Let you talk about Iran a little bit and some of the problems, but then also how do he can have a little Iran, little as a little, treat, a little bit. Well, then you got to go with it's, it's a podcast, so that you get your little bit of that, and then you got to go with like the pop culture stuff. So it's like how in how in pop culture, maybe comics. I'm gonna quiz you on that, see if you've got any ideas. Mm. But like TV shows, I I've already told you I've got a couple thoughts. But how do you how in the past has that been reconciled where it's like this is some serious stuff going on but we can also have a little bit of levity a little bit of a little bit of fun a little bit of softness to yeah. go with the heavy so that you kind of look back and you're like yeah it was really heavy but you know what there were things that were happening yeah i've got two specific examples to bring up one really good and one potentially not good Ooh. well the one i uh, think about uh the most is after September 11th, the first Saturday Night Live after the towers were hit, where they had um, Giuliani uh, as the guest, and Lorne Michaels and the entire cast came out, and they, you know, they gave a very solemn speech. And then Lorne Michaels turned to Rudy Giuliani and said, "Are we allowed to be funny?" And Giuliani said, "I don't see why you should start now." And uh, yeah. you know, it's just kind of like a. Hey, we're, we're like in the rubble of the two towers, but um, we have to. Us. We have to keep living. We have to, you know. There is a very important lesson. I remember. I think it was actually Amber from the Chapo podcast that said this. That was just like, look, when it comes to uh, class politics or progressive politics, you're going to fail more often than you succeed, and so it's important to have fun and. Uh, or else you're going to burn out or turn into a psychotic immediately. Like it's, you need to be able to, um, 
find your avenues of release. And uh, so, you know, the the idea she was trying to posit was that um, you're not a soldier. You don't have to, like, you're not on the front lines of a battle. You go to protest with friends. You hang out with your DSA chapter. You, uh, you know, uh, fuck around online with your progressive comrades. If this turns into work, then, I mean, it's it's about drawing the line. It's about drawing a balance because it's stuff that needs to happen. Like we all have a responsibility to fight for, change, and usher in a better world. You know, the, the question always is like, what can I do? But, you know, we all have to together in solidarity do the work that needs to be done. Because when we start asking questions, what can I do? The person to your left and the person to your right are asking the same questions. And so they all, they always just, the default answer is, well, nothing. And so you do nothing. That's fair. So like the, the thing is you do what you can, but you have to, the importance of the work means that you will be tempted to burn out. That, um, you know, uh, uh, 2016, Bernie running, Bernie basically doing a wonderful job winning like 25 states, I think it was, as well as um, foreign nationals and the uh, uh, the territories. Like Bernie was just killing it, but it wasn't enough. There was just too many things stacked against him. And it was just as a progressive at that time, just being like, fuck, like, you know, it, it's heartbreaking. And there's a reason why people don't get involved in politics. And it's because, you know, that feeling that you, if you're a sports person or not, like that feeling you feel of just like rooting for your team, your entire life long, having your traditions and your, um, you know, uh, 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 beliefs about what's lucky or not. And just like going for it. And just the heartbreak of the team losing. Imagine that, but like, it's actually important. And like, people will die if this doesn't happen. It, it, the, the weight of it all is enough to crush anybody. And that's why it has to be lifted by everybody or, you know, it, it, nobody is Atlas. Nobody can hold the world on their shoulders. And, um, in order to prevent yourself from doing that, you need to have fun. You need to have a little bit of levity. The people that were on Twitter the other day that just like, how dare you joke about this? They're like, look, okay, I need to. And there's a, a definite problem of people using mental health language to um, kind of askew the conversation of like, hey, you're being a shitty person. It's like, this is what I need to do in order to heal. Like, yeah, that's well it's it's that's anytime, something anytime you're dealing with something like that it's one of those things where it is important to have that but that does not mean it cannot be used for evil uh i can't tell you the amount of times that i've had people talk to me about their service animal their dogs and i'm just like okay you need them and they're like yeah no it's really easy you just you just go online and you order this thing you don't need to do anything i was like oh so you're abusing the system yeah fantastic thank you lovely yeah then you know they the abuse of something should not necessarily mean that it shouldn't exist. Absolutely. I had this conversation all the time. They're like, well, people abuse the welfare system. It's like, that doesn't mean it needs to go away. People steal also. That doesn't mean you shouldn't own things. Yeah. It's, uh, it, it, it's, and so, um, the existence of us needing to do things for our own mental well being doesn't necessarily mean don't be an asshole. But um, some people process things through humor, yeah. uh, through making light of it, because sometimes it's too heavy. It is too much. I, you know, uh, I, I, I turn to Twitter and a bunch of my friends. I'm like, I need a video game. Somebody give me a video game because Twitter is not a, a, a release for me right now. Right yeah. now, like I said, the joke accounts are talking about War with Iran. And, and you know, it, it's, it's just 
all-consuming. I mean, when um, the uh, Twitter account with a cartoon chipmunk, Avi, uh, that usually just makes dumb jokes every day, is just like, here's a 28 thread uh, of um, why War with Iran is going to be bad and we're going to lose it. I'm just like, oh, I don't need this right now. I need something else. And so I was playing video games and watching Star Trek. An interesting take on that is actually there's a comedian, uh, Jesselneck, yeah. who not everybody likes. He's a very... He's a very out there comic. The stuff that he does is really in your face. There's a, it's what a lot of people consider offensive, but I loved something that he said when it came to tragedies happening in America, in the world, Mm -hmm. something would happen and he would immediately go to Twitter to whatever. And he would immediately crack a joke completely. Just what people hear and they go, this is terrible. How dare he even say that? And I loved his reasoning. I'm paraphrasing. It's from a comedy special he did, but he basically just said that, of course he's going to. That's how he treats everything. He's not going to have this serious thing happen and this is the line that he won't cross. He's irreverent. His That's whole point is that... shtick. Yeah. I'm going to talk shit about this immediately. I'm going to make fun of this and make a joke about this and downplay this immediately. Because the truth is, if I don't, that means that it is something so serious that I can't make fun of it. And that's not what we want. You don't want something to happen that's so serious that a, com- that a comedian like that feels like they can't. You want it to be something where it's like, no, you know what? This isn't actually the end of the world. Mm. It will go on. It's bad. But we continue living. We yeah. don't. It doesn't change the world in like, we can never do anything again. We can never say anything. It's like, no. This is just another shitty thing that's happened. We will move forward. I, uh, I just watched a, a, a rewatched, actually, a YouTube video. It was a video essay by uh, the YouTuber Lindsay Ellis. And she did a video on satire, specifically uh, Mel Brooks. Um, All right. About how Mel Brooks, um, you know, uh, uh, made fun of Nazis. Uh, constantly made jokes at their expense and a whole bunch of people. Uh, you know, uh, what's the, ad- she talked about the adage. She says, you know, you couldn't make a movie, a Mel Brooks movie today. And she's just like, you know, that uh, ignores the fact that people were very much upset with the stuff that he did at the time that he did them. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the producers blazing saddles, uh, a lot of like, you know, just terrible or, uh, jokes at, at their time. But even he had a line. She talks about how Mel Brooks was just like, I'll make fun of Nazis all day, every day. Um, I believe that they need to have the wind taken out of them. Uh, the idea Hitler wanted to, Nazis want to be thought of as the big bad boogeyman that shouldn't be challenged. But once you reveal them to be, uh, sissies and ninnies and, uh, just absolutely theatrical, um, pansies, then, uh, you take out a lot of their stuff. But Mel Brooks had a distinct line. It's just like, you don't show the Holocaust. You don't show joke about Nazis all day long, but you don't show a concentration camp and you don't show uh, the Holocaust. So he had a very distinct His line. line was the victims. Yeah. You don't make fun of the victims. You make fun of the oppressors. You make fun of the attackers. Yes. Which is very much in line with him. So and I get that. You, and I, uh, I, I can see why he uh, agreed with that, but that was kind of put in contrast to, um, you know, there was a, a, a an almost lynching in Blazing Saddles. Uh, and, you know, a bunch of black people, a bunch of... Uh, black critics were just like well that's our line you don't show that that is you know everybody's line is different of course and you know there's so that's why the conversation will never go away because it's always a matter of in the eye of the beholder like where is your line and kind of trying to find a consensus and if you try not to like offend anybody but the point is well it's also the reason that 
Oh, sorry, I'm sorry to interrupt as you no. should have to say a point, but it's also the reason that there are those people that don't have a line for anyone. Yeah. They will make fun of everyone equally. Um, sometimes they get hell for it, but there are, there are a lot of times in in that genre, South Park, whatever, where they just, no, no, we make fun of every single person. We just haven't gotten to you yet, but don't worry, we will. Yeah. That, uh, that mentality of if I'm willing and able and will offend everyone or say something that could be taken offensive towards everyone that's showing that I'm not favoring anyone. I don't know that I don't, I'm, not, I'm not saying it's right or wrong. I'm just saying there's, there's a reason that that is something that yeah. has happened in the world. That is, there's a reason that things that are done for the sake of comedy, but they're done in a way where it's just like, I'm going to say something terrible about everyone. Yeah. That's sort of the mentality that justifies it. It's going, I'm not singling out anyone. Yeah. Everyone has their lines. I'm not going to give anyone's lines because you can't, you're going to offend somebody everywhere. So if I just offend everybody, then I don't have to worry about it. I have, I've always taken issue with the, the South Park uh, example or that, ne- that necessary mentality. I don't watch Jesselneck that much. Um, we talk about stand up comedy a lot. And uh, I think I've seen one of his specials. Yeah, I've seen, I don't know, I think it's 30 minute special back on Comedy Central like a long time ago or something. But um, I, uh, I take issue with the Dirty Harry approach. Um, the, there's a, uh, I didn't see Derek. I saw Dirty Harry a long time ago, but uh, it gets used as a kind of uh, the umbrella term for this, which is um, uh, in the movie, there, some somebody's delivering some exposition. And I was like, oh, Dirty Harry? No, he's not racist. He hates everybody equally. And the thing is, that doesn't work. That's always like a principle. That's always like um, how somebody justifies something like that. But it has to be by a case-by-case basis. A comedian making fun of everybody equally, I wonder how accurate that description is but a cop who you know kills indiscriminately is like he doesn't hate anyone he shoots everyone equally like okay that's shitty <laughs> that's I that mean, sucks and that's and i would say that is the reason that not all things are created equal yes <laughs> like <laughs> context context is important context um the movie detective who doesn't like anyone and so therefore treats everyone poorly and then kills the bad guys is different than the person who hates everyone and murders whoever he feels like it. Yeah. It's a, it's a very different thing. <laughs> it's not, not great. Um, but I definitely get that. And when it comes to your views, when it comes to the, uh, things like Jesselneck or South Park or whatever it is, where it's, I'll give Jesselneck a lot more leeway than I will South Park. Cause South Park's thing is always just like, yeah, everything is ridiculous, but it, it, it does the same thing that centrists do, which is just like, everything is ridiculous all the time. And, um, whereas a centrist is just like, you know, you guys believe things and you guys believe things and we will treat them equally. Um, but uh, the South Park mentality is just like, we'll ridicule everyone equally, even though they are, n- uh, it, it, it's a false equivalence. The idea of making fun of hippies to the same extent that you will, I don't know, um, child uh, pedophile, uh, no, pedophiles. There are no child pedophiles. As far as I know, I don't know. I mean, technically there are. I I guess that's just statutory. Yeah. no. No, it's statutory. That's correct. This went into a weird tangent. I don't but, know where you went there, but it's cool. Yeah. Um, it flowed very nicely. <laughs> yeah. The, the the Just the general idea of just like, well, I, I've always gotten the impression from Matt and Trey, which I like. I do like uh, them and their work, and uh, I, I enjoy the... 
and and I, I've always had a, a a love of irreverence, the idea of kind of like the carnival taking down things that um, yeah. are supposed to be serious, you know, religion, politics, etc., taking the air out of them, taking the piss, as our friends across the pond would say. But um, the South Park way of just like, all right, this episode, we're going to make fun of anti-vaccine moms. I'm like, okay, yeah, those people need to get taken down a peg. All right, this episode, we're going to take down transgender people. I'm like, uh, nope. Uh, that's um, that's not I, I don't think that's a viable target. I'm sorry. Like, you know, treating a marginalized community as the same as uh, yuppie uh, rich white women that um, refuse to vaccinate their kids uh, and no, endanger the- them and their classmates all alike. No, that's are fair. different things. That's fair. It is very different. I, I will. I mean, I'm not. That's not South Park is not my thing. There were times in my life where I did watch a lot of South Park, but it's definitely not something that is current. Yeah, I think we're gonna take a bit of a pause here. I think so. It sounds like your wife is coming home. I think so. So we're gonna just pause. Pausing. Hey there. Anyway, so I'm not what you would call a fan of South Park. I used to watch it a decent amount when I was a little bit younger. Also, it was a little newer. It's just it's not. What I would call my thing. Yeah. Um, but I have seen a decent amount of it, particularly years ago. The thing about it is, you're not wrong. They definitely they definitely don't pick fights with certain things more so than others, necessarily. Yeah. But at least for a while there, I do feel like they did pick those battles a little more. Mm-hmm. Like, they did... Like, they would make the joke about this group that they don't need to be talking crap about. Yeah. But then they would have like an episode devoted to this group that needs to be taken down. Yeah. So I feel like like they the had episodes some at the expense balance. of Scientology or um, Mormons, like really just go fucking hard at them, or specifically Isaac Hayes. Um, well, it didn't go hard at Isaac Hayes in that moment. No, Isaac Hayes was after, and it was actually my favorite thing that, that was ever. Later, my favorite thing that ever happened with South Park was that. Yeah. That is that was my favorite. That was the one moment where I was like. Absolutely, guys. Yeah. Stand with you. Because they made fun of Scientology the same way they had made fun of everyone else. And Isaac Hayes came to them and was like, that's not okay. I was like, yeah. motherfucker, you have been a part of this since the beginning. How dare you say this isn't okay because it's making fun of your religion. They've I been can't making believe- fun of fucking everybody. And their, their response was, okay, bye. Yeah. And then just to be like, let me make this clear. The next episode that they premiered was him being like taken over by this organization Mine. they made him a like pedophile yeah nambla and then they just killed him and then they even made the joke at the end they're like well maybe he's not dead i hear that when you die you shit yourself and he hasn't done that and then they had him shit himself they're just like no yeah he I, is fucking dead to us i remember that we are episode. done with this yeah how fucking dare you come to us and say we've gone too far when you have been a part of this for years i think at that point it's already been a decade yeah. he had been a part of it actively making fun of everyone else and as soon as he was on the drawing board like mm, no 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 i was like hell yes i will stand with you on that yeah so I don't know, it's it's south park it's the the one thing i will say about them that i think is potentially worthwhile in that is that at least they are upfront about what you're going to get not saying it's right or wrong how far they go their lines they cross but they're trying to cross lines and they're, they're up front we don't care we're going to talk shit on everybody but i mean Personally, the truth is, it's 2020 at this point, and I'm with you. I'd rather them just not start shit with the people that don't deserve it, because at this yeah. point, 
those people have been kicked enough. We don't need to kick them more. But I'm not a fan. I haven't watched a show in probably over a decade also yeah. since the last time I watched the South Park episode. So it is what it is. Yeah, it, uh, firing indiscriminately is like talked about in certain circles. Usually, the, you know, those libertarian free speech like circles that just like, yeah, you know, I talk shit about everybody. And it's like firing indiscriminately doesn't make you a free speech warrior. It just makes you a huge asshole. Well, that's the thing is not everybody remembers that part of it, which is you are absolutely allowed to say whatever you want you can hate on people you can say what you want that doesn't mean that you're not an asshole for doing it yeah like, that doesn't uh, mean there's no consequences for doing it everybody means freedom of speech means you will not be have charges brought against you you will not be sent to prison yeah. for what you're saying it doesn't mean that you won't get punched in the face it doesn't mean that you won't piss somebody off and get kicked it doesn't mean that somebody won't get really pissed off and choke you out if you're a big enough asshole, there are consequences. You're allowed to say it, but you get to have those consequences. I forgot who I was talking to about this, but uh, I was talking about the the phenomenon. You know this like little online battle that's been going on about like who has the best chicken sandwich or whatever. Oh this is God. a weird fucking tangent. Love it. And I only like glimpsed this, uh, but uh, that what I'm talking about is the ramifications of it. So basically, all these chicken shops were basically competing to see who has the best chicken sandwiches. And for whatever reason, the campaign worked, and basically Popeye's chickens from one coast to the other just became absolutely just bombarded just absolutely flooded with people and then all of a sudden video started surfacing of racists going into them so basically wall-to-wall black people ordering eating having a good time and then some old fucking racist comes in and just starts yelling the n-word and uh, you don't know what necessarily started it but it, nothing could justify how they were acting. One of them was this old woman, probably like 60 years old, screaming the N-word uh, at every little kid, teenager, woman, just everyone in there. And I hope this ends with somebody getting punched in the face. As she got body slammed a video uh, somebody somebody stitched the videos together of all the people who had their cell phones out and so the uh, videos uh, of one guy probably in his 40s comes out grabs her from behind picks her up in the parking lot and then drops her on the ground probably breaking a hip or something like that but she's just like she's just like oh ah! ah! just like absolutely flabbergasted that she actually got a consequence for being a fucking asshole so here's the thing for me I don't want people to get hurt. Yeah. I hate the idea of people getting hurt. However, there are certain things where it's like, you know what? You earned the shit out of this moment in your life. Yeah. I hope that you at least learned something from it. Talk shit. Because you earned this. You know. You don't talk shit to people you don't know. You don't go out of your... Also, the thing is... It's not like you said was, that to be provocative. Yeah, it wasn't you like said was, that because you knew it would hurt people and yeah. you knew what it meant. You and so be, you you thought you thought that you would be guarded by your privilege and that you wouldn't have to suffer any ramifications. That all of them would have to sit there, eat their chicken sandwiches, and eat your bile. But they went ahead and said, "You know what? We're full. Eat shit." And that's the thing is like this was uh, just from what you said. I haven't seen this video. I haven't heard anything about this till now. But I am assuming. That it was completely out of nowhere. This was just some asshole being an asshole. And that's the thing is, if you're going to be an asshole, that's instant karma. And I'm kind of okay with that at that point. I don't want people to get hurt, but at the same time, like, that person earned the shit out of that moment. Yeah, it, it, the, uh, there's this, I guess it's the centrist mentality. The idea of just like, well, I don't want anyone to get hurt. I don't want anyone to um, suffer anything like that. Are you calling me a centrist? No, I, I'm saying that's uh, <laughs> the impulse. So go ahead and treat like everybody is equal. But then you have to basically, what I do, you know, th this is the conversation we usually have when we start talking about these things. Context versus principles. You are a more principled person than I am. It's true. I um, 
take uh, historical and, uh, context into uh, consideration. And so we land on different sides of certain conversations, whether somebody should, deserves to get punched or not. And just to defend myself slightly, I also take those things into consideration. Yes. I just, because I am about the principle and I want the equality, I tend to be a little more stringent about that. I mean, yeah. they're a little more strict about how I'm going to handle that because uh, the principle will win out because I will look at, I will look at the other side and go, but we need to make the change to the principle. Yes. So we need to do that. Yeah. But, um, the, the, the idea of like, I don't want, nobody should get hit. So I will not hit anybody is, um, kind of this, uh, and this is uh, real tangential to everything that we uh, intended this episode to be about. But the idea that um, if I live my life by the principles that I uphold, then that means I am fundamentally incapable of fighting for the things that I believe need to be fought for. They will use. That's the thing. That's the, the, that is the leftist critique of liberalism. Is liberalism is a surrender to um, the forces that seek to destroy us. Uh, a liberal will go ahead. A centrist. A liberal will go ahead and collaborate with the fascist, the conservative, the capitalist in order to subvert egalitarian ideals. They will say, well, I don't, you know, uh, you are a fascist and you are a communist. Uh, I will treat you equally. I'll say, no, you shouldn't. That guy wishes to destroy a segment of your population. That is evil and should be judged as such and dealt with as such. Whereas the communists disagree with their ideology all you want, but a communist provided we're not talking about tankies who like Stalin did nothing wrong. Um, yeah. Uh, but a a communist is just, uh, is uh, ideally fighting for a world that is stateless and classless disagree all you want, whether that's possible or not or anything like that. But you know, it's just the false equivalence I can't deal with. The idea of, a socialist mentality or ideology, no matter which one you're going with and which shades you're dealing with, the mm-hmm. idea of it is that the people are taken care of. Yes. Everyone is treated with respect and equality and everyone is taken care of properly. The idea of fascism is not very much not that. Yes. So if you're dealing with those two things, even if you hate socialism, even if you're afraid of the word like a lot of people are, the concept of it, you should understand, is supposed to be about everyone is equal. You can say, that's not possible, that's stupid, whatever, that's your deal. I don't necessarily agree, but fine. That's what you think. However, it's definitely not the same. Yeah. And it is important to do that. I think that's, for me personally, that's why I don't mind us having those disagreements because yeah. I am a principled person. And to me, I'm, I made the joke that you call me a centrist, but I'm definitely not that person because no. I'm the person who judges the situation based on the situation. If I see something, I will treat two people equally. I'm not going to assume that they're a monster, just one is a monster just because they're on the right side of things and the left side of things. But once I see that they are doing, saying, showing hateful, evil things, I immediately go, oh, well, I can't trust that person. And if I keep seeing it, I'm like, oh, this is a trend. Okay. Oh no, this is them as, oh, they're just a monster. Cool. I pay attention to that. And then I immediately go from then on, oh, no, no, I know you're a monster. So I know to take everything you say as, oh, this is a monster speaking. Yeah. What's your angle? And then I start to assess and go, oh. They're saying this because they're trying to get that out of it. It's not that they're saying that this shouldn't happen that way. It's actually that they're saying that women shouldn't be in power in that. And so they're using this as the the means to get to that monstrous ideology. Yeah. And I just, I treat them once I know. I don't treat, I treat them equally until I know better. But as soon as I know better, oh, screw you fucking monsters. Yeah. So, 
in the hopes of uh, stepping sideways from where we are right now. Because yeah. uh, Richard Doom and I, both separately and particularly together, have a tendency of wandering down a different path while talking. Because that's what friends do. That's how that usually goes. I'm actually going to kickstart us back to the original topic yes. in a weird way. Now, here's the thing. If you're actually listening to this, you might go, wait, what the hell? So I'll explain. Before we got on this long tangent that we've been on, mm-hmm. Richard brought up something that was one of my two points that I was going to bring up. He brought up way earlier than I thought we would get there. He brought up 9-11. And this was my bad example of media bringing up the happy parts and not talking so much about the uh, the heavy stuff. Yeah. I had said I had two things. One that I thought was a good example and one that's kind of bad. Uh, here's the kind of bad one. 9-11. And this is... This is based off of things that I've thought, but also things that I've heard, um, including there was a Cracked After Hours that talked about this a little bit as well. May they rest in peace. Um, but it's They're not fr- dead. They're just no longer uh, at Cracked. Well, I mean, After Hours. Cracked yes. and After Hours is dead. So yeah. rest in peace to Cracked and After Hours. The lovely comedic writers who are on it are all still doing, I hope, well. Yeah. I think for the most part they're doing well, and I love them. I miss them. I miss them. But anyway, um, I'm on a rewatch because that is what I do as a nostalgic person. Mm-hmm. I am rewatching After Hours right now, currently. Not while I'm talking, but like <laughs> earlier today I was watching. And um, so I was reminded of Friends. The show Friends was on television when 9-11 happened. It takes place in New York. And they didn't mention it at all. Yeah. Which is tricky. Um, a lot of the shows that were on that took place in New York did that that time period because they were going with the idea of is we need to move on, we need to continue living. But it is one of those things that's a little trickier now because it's the almost dark side of what we're talking about. Yeah. Is you need to have that release, you need to have that levity, you need to have that fun. But because they didn't mention it at all, it sort of has this weird feeling now looking Revisionist back at aspect of it of a just little like, bit oh it didn't happen here especially since it was in new york at the time yeah so it's it's kind of this odd thing it's not necessarily bad because they were keeping people happy they were trying to keep people connected and now people look at friends a little differently because it's out of time but at the time it was really popular it was really fun people loved it and it was an escape for them so it was very helpful to keep people's minds off of it because you got to have something to get you away from the heavy, terrible things that are happening. Escapism. Exactly. But it is an interesting thing to look at and go, oh, they were using escapism, but they just ignored it altogether. So I want to mention something. I just finished watching Deep Space Nine, uh, Star Trek on Netflix. And, and you mean finished as in you finished the entire series? I finished all seven seasons, yes. Ooh. Um, I, 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 an hour ago, I finished the two-part last uh, episode finale. And um, a couple episodes ago, um, I, I've been joking about this on Twitter, but there's this uh, constant theme going where, um, you know, they have the hollow suites, where the holographic um, fantasy you can program to do anything and you yeah. can interact with. Um, basically, season seven introduces... Um, for whatever reason, a 1962 Las Vegas lounge uh, with a reoccurring character of a holographic uh, character uh, called um, Vic. Um, um, blank. Uh, no, I blanked on his last name, but um, 1962 lounge singer. That'll be a correction in next week's episode. Yeah, and uh, he just the weirdest damn thing but basically little by little all the characters uh have an episode or interaction with and they all love vix and they all like going to vix everybody loves vix 
Yeah, everybody loves Vic. They all go to it. Uh, and it's just this weird thing of like 24th century um, people going to just hang out in a 1962 um, Las Vegas lounge. But it's played for fun. But at one point, one of the characters talks to uh, Captain Sisko, the um, leader of the space station, Deep Space Nine. It's actually his uh, girlfriend at the time. She's just like, why Why don't you like it? And, you know, he fights it. Uh, and then he eventually says it. He's like, he's a black man. And he's like, 1962 Las Vegas was not a pleasant time for us talking to his black girlfriend. It's like, it was a time where it was the infancy of the civil rights movement. I refuse to participate in any revisionist history that says that 1962 was anything but uh, a monstrous time to be a black person in Las Vegas yeah, at that Vegas. time. Holy crap. And uh, she's just like, I, I know where we came from. I know the real history. I'm not saying that we should ignore that history but this is what it could have been that's what it's uh, about it's about going to spend time at vix isn't necessarily about saying this time didn't happen but saying that it didn't have to it didn't it's like a what if it's what if we had been allowed to be here yeah you know Ooh, that's uh, really dark in a weird way yeah it, it, it's you know uh, a 1962 las vegas lounge where nobody gets like hey you have funny ridges on your nose or you have big ferengi ears or something like that everybody's just treated as a human being your race doesn't come into it nobody's second class citizen the women are still wearing you know skimpy costumes but it was the 90s yeah um and uh you know it, it's i i kind of agreed with both of them at the same time where i'm just like yeah i can understand why he would be uncomfortable with it uh and i can understand why she would be fine with it also well they were both completely correct yeah it, 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 to each their own and he eventually relents and he joins everybody in the reindeer games um he's just you know so that that's kind of what like convinces him otherwise um but you know the the idea of you need to kind of be of two minds of it. You kind of need to know what's nasty, but you also, you shouldn't ignore the net. Ah, I don't know how best to say this. You shouldn't pretend that the nasty doesn't exist, but as long as you acknowledge that exists and that something needs to be done about it, and arguably um, something good needs to be done about it instead of something monstrous, and then you continue about your day doing what you need to to be mentally healthy and emotionally healthy, then by all fucking means. You know, uh, uh, we were talking about this before when you were pitching the idea is that, you know, I, for a long time, uh, traversed social media as a, uh, uh, a sin eater. I basically uh, delved into the depths of every corruption case, per police brutality case. I watched every one of these nasty police videos of just people getting murdered regularly because I felt like it was the least I could do is to understand the hardship that people that I don't have to experience well, because it's, it's of a, it's, my privilege. It's a kind of honoring to them. It's going, Hey, I can't, I don't know what to do to help, but I can't ignore that this is happening. You were yeah. trying to just show like, I'm, I at least want to see what happened and so that I can go, Hey, this is fucked. This is not okay. And I, 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 I can't tell you which it is. Either I have, I, I've, re I've reached my fill uh, or I've matured or maybe both or one cause the other because I'm just like, I can't take anymore. I, I understand it happens. I, I know intimately how awful this justice system is, this country is, this society is, this planet is. I have no illusions about it. I feel like I am 
sufficiently woke. And so uh, my participation in video games or escapist fantasies um, need not necessarily be questioned. Other people will disagree. They're just like, hey, um, why not uh, come to this meeting or this lecture where we talk about uh, homelessness in Los Angeles? I'm just like, I understand it's a problem and I'll do what I can to help, but I don't know how much I can do to help. And it's it's a lot. It's very heavy. There's a... There's a difficult thing to deal with, and it, it a big part of it comes with well, a big part of it comes with um, the fact that we don't have that many hardships in our lives personally. Yeah, we are two pretty privileged people. Yeah, we uh, don't get me wrong. I've been on food stamps. I have had some bad shit in my life. I have been through rough times. Yeah. I have been through good times, and I've been through everything in between. But for the most part, societally you and I have not had to deal with a lot of crap that a lot of other people have to. And so that feeds into this. It's there's, I I feel like there's only so much that you can do as an individual and there's only so much that you can take as an individual. And there's so much wrong that you can't, you can care about and you can fight for everything, but you can't get buried by everything or you will be completely buried. Yeah. I mean, if you're not used, you're of no use to anyone. If you're completely buried, we got to keep our heads afloat and we got to try and do everything we can to help people. We have to try and use that privilege that we have to try and say, okay, is this a situation where I can be of help? I can shine light on it. I can help this person out of it. I can do something. Is there anything that I can do with my life that will help at least a little bit? Yeah. And just be aware of it. And I think that that's, that awareness is the big thing is you used to delve so deep that you were buried and you now have the sufficient knowledge that you no longer need to delve deep to know what's going on. Mm -hmm. You can see the headline and go, yeah, no, that's true. This absolutely happened. These people are being murdered and it's fucking not okay. And you can just go, this is not acceptable behavior. We got to fix it without diving in because you know and you're more willing to accept it. I, um, I had a, this is mostly on topic i have a female friend who has talked to me many times about that she finds me as she appreciates certain things about me one of the things she appreciates is that when i hear one of my female friends my cousins my whatever talking about being oppressed talking about being looked down on talking about anything negative that's happened to them catcalling whatever i assume like oh this has happened this is shitty this isn't your first time dealing with this i'm sorry And she found it interesting because her husband, who absolutely is a loving, good human being, wants, like, he, he hears somebody having some problems, he believes it, he's, he's all about that and about that caring, but when he hears about something that's happened to her, he's like, that's weird, that's never happened when I'm around, and he, it's hard for him to, he accepts it as truth because she said it, but it's hard for him to understand that that is a regular part of her life. And... For me, I've known for many years that this is a regular part of people's lives, and it's a little easier for me to understand that this is happening and go, yeah, that's shitty. I have no doubt this is happening. Um, and it's it just, to me, I think that that is a part of it. That understanding and appreciation that this is real and acknowledging that this is happening, I think is an important part. It's not the only part, but it's yes. at least a step in the direction so that you hear it and go, yeah, this is fucked. Okay, what can we do? Okay, how can we, we'll do what we can, Uh, we'll vote, we'll do this, we'll do that, we'll listen to the people who are saying the different things, we'll acknowledge the people who are being monsters, we'll acknowledge the bad things that are happening, we just, 
We won't ignore them. We'll acknowledge that they exist. We'll do what we can to fix them. We'll acknowledge that we need to fix them. Because I think that's one of our issues that we have is, uh, particularly with the whole bipartisan us versus them mentality, is it's, oh, no, there's nothing wrong. Everything's fine. Yeah, bad things happen, but it's we can't do anything about it. It's fine. Or it's it's not actually bad. You're hearing about it. It, it sounds worse than it is. No, we need to acknowledge the reality. We need to acknowledge the reality of what's happening and go, no, this is fucked. Now do something about it. Yeah. And part of the doing something about it is to try and have those conversations. That's the hard part. That's the shitty part. But it's a part of it. It's not all of it, but it's a part. Mm-hmm. But I think one of the things about that is we can't be buried in it. Yes. So when we're dealing with this, I don't mean just you and me. I mean in general and people, all of us together, we are more alike than we are different. When we are buried and getting just beat up by these terrible, monstrous things that are happening... I mean, the fact that World War Three is being talked about in a real way in my lifetime is fucking mind-boggling. Yeah. It was a joke years ago, like, oh, World War Seven, because people were like, kind of thought for a while, like, no, we're not going to be that stupid. <laughs> Hi. But the point is, like, we need to be able to keep our heads afloat. Yeah. We got to be able to acknowledge all the bad stuff that's happening and talk about it, talk through it. But we also need to have that release. You have to put your mask on before you put your child's mask on, as the uh, flight attendants say. It's true. You know, you have to, you do nobody any good if you're fucking dead. That's uh, true. You know, and, uh, and I think that's where the levity comes in. That's where, like, Twitter has always been a release for you, where you're like, okay, I can go deep into the political side of things, to the social side of things. I can really dive in and learn some stuff and talk to people in discourse and sometimes argue and yell at the monsters. But you could also have that fun side of it and go, okay, but this is also like a brain release. This is like getting some of the weight off of my heart. Yeah. And now it's been more difficult because things are so serious. A lot of people feel like they can't. Yeah. I mean, uh, it's a lot of people uh, and I want to, uh, talk about this probably another time. Uh, uh, but like the, there's a serious aspect of almost everything. It's kind of like bad faith. If you're acting in bad faith, you can always find something problematic to focus on of anything that we've said tonight. But, um, it's, you gotta, you gotta just do what you can. There's when you are trying to seek levity because you yourself, personally as a human being, are need it. You just need it. Um, somebody else is gonna come in and saying now's not the right time. It's like, well, for me it is. And you might see me as an asshole, and I'm sorry for that. And I wish you could understand, and I'll try to make you understand um, that I need this right now, or I need to at least not like uh, atlas this shit and carry it all on my shoulders. But each of us need different things at different times. And I imagine over the course of the last 10 days, um, all of us have need moments of uh, serious reflection as well as uh, venting escapism. So it's, you know, maybe you needed it on day four and I needed it in day six. And when I saw your uh, irreverent joke on day four, uh, I wasn't in the mood to receive it. But, you know, that's part of being part of a society is you know uh is kind of just there's gonna be miscommunications there's gonna be times that we don't see eye to eye we don't realize what's going on yeah but you know as long as you see within yourself you know that that's where empathy comes from is where you're able to uh or sympathy is to see yourself in the shoes of somebody else recognize the deep-seated need you have to be able to vent sometimes sometimes with irreverent humor other times to necessarily be steadfast and uh sober minded about these things uh and recognize that other people need to do that maybe on different timetables than you and so maybe 
you say that an irreverent joke at the expense of American soldiers was not necessary on the day Soleimani was assassinated. But it's very likely that the person who does that has already internalized, swallowed, digested, and shat out the idea that shit just got real weird, really awful, really fast, and... Uh, here we go. We're go. Uh, it's the end of the world as we know it, you know, and just like, and I feel fine. Just they've processed it. They're like, all right, this is hell world. Here we go. Let's zippity doodah day ourselves off this goddamn mountain. And, uh, you know, it, it, people process things differently. That's, I guess the, uh, moral of this story, but we all need it. We all need those same things. We all well, need to recognize that there's sober reflection and things that need to be done about these things. But we also just need to not become paralyzed by uh, the horror, the, uh, you know, Lovecraftian horror that our world has just become on a regular basis, on a seemingly weekly basis. Well, and I think, I feel like the good thing is that the world is, parts of the world at the very least are starting to acknowledge that a little bit more. Um, The fact that the term mental health day exists and most people at this point get it. Now I'm sh- I, there are definitely people who shit on it and go mental health day, 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 day. But there are so many people that understand that even employers sometimes are like, no, no do that. Like yeah. I understand that you need this and it, we're getting to a point in society where people are starting to get it. They're starting to go, Oh yeah, I need you to take care of yourself because we need people to be okay as best as we can and part of it is because it's getting so bad yeah and it's so hard it's so just heavy on everyone that we're starting to understand more oh i need this shit other people need this too this isn't this isn't nothing this is something that's it's important it's real people need to have that that awareness of themselves to take care of themselves and it's okay to do that. Yeah. And I think it's important that we're moving in that direction. And I think that's really what this is all about. Like, I brought this up to you as a podcast idea because you told me two things in two different conversations. One conversation was, I want to talk about Iran, but everything is so heavily about Iran right now that, like, people don't want to do a podcast about it because they're so engulfed in it already. I was like, that's true. And then the other thing, a different conversation, you were you like, go up to I somebody need- and say, hey, you want to talk about Iran? And they basically run away screaming. Yeah, because they're already like you, like me, like everyone. They're already buried in it. Yeah. And that's why you also, separate conversation, we're talking about that you needed relief. And the fact that Twitter was not being the relief that you're used to and that you want it to be. You started asking for video game recommendations and things that you can do to focus on so that you have somewhere to go outside of the heavy. Yeah. And I think that that's super important. And that's why I thought this idea was fun. We've gone a little heavier than I originally expected us to go, but I probably should have because it's you and me. And this is basically just ranting at a, at a, at a computer with microphones at this point. Cause it's you and me and we're prone to that anyway. It happens, especially yeah. when alcohol is involved. I'm wait, alcohol. Oh my God, this is alcohol. <laughs> so tasty. Uh, my flatmate, uh, in, um, grad school he used to say oh richard's drunk he's starting to talk about genocide now because i'd be talking about philosophy with other people and you know genocide the worst thing a person could possibly do was used as the benchmark for like all right you go on this side so So, basically you would start talking about magneto no magneto's not a not genocidal (laughs) he 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 tends towards genocide but uh, you know it's he's more of a mutant supremacist 
That's fair. Yeah. Yeah. He, he, he's got some problems over his uh, long career. But uh, yeah, my my Canadian flatmate would be... I remember one time, specifically at a party, I was talking to this girl from, I think, Australia. And she, uh, he over... Oh, Scotland. Yeah. He, he, uh, he overheard me talking. It's like, oh, Richard's been drinking. He's talking about genocide. I'm like, oh, shit, he's right. I do this a lot, don't I? <laughs> That's her. <laughs> pontificating while drunk it's acceptable yeah you know i get very philosophical so here's the thing since we're still talking i'm going to try and move us even farther so i'm going to ask you the question I'm putting you on the spot all right so this is it this is you on the spot this is you having to delve into the back of your brain into that giant area that is comic book trivia bullshit awesomeness mm. that's right i'm doing this on this podcast. Uh-huh. So here's my question for you. Heavy shit being dealt with while keeping the levity, while keeping the fun. Are there any examples that you can think of in comic books? I'm guessing Marvel, but it's probably some in DC as well um, and some of the other ones. But is there anything that comes to your head? Don't don't go too crazy with it, but is there anything that comes to your head? As, actually, this is a moment in comics that they it was a big thing. They were dealing with heavy crap, but they made sure to have it a little bit balanced. Um, well, that, that's kind of the thing is that comic books, um, Marvel, yeah, you, you, you kind of hit, hit the nail on the head there. Marvel likes to do their, um, kind of human pieces where it's kind of, uh, characters you can relate to because they have to pay the bills kind of thing. And, uh, when you look at on basically, uh, a seasonal basis, Spider-Man's dealing with a, uh, threat that you know uh endangers all of manhattan and he's making yeah. uh stupid jokes all the way through oh, i mean that's fair yeah i guess spider-man would be the simple answer yeah um <laughs> and ever since robert downey jr uh, played iron man iron man has been a quippy asshole uh even in like uh war zones um it, it's it it's always up to the discretion of the writers of that um book or that story arc at any given time the 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 thing is that uh, a writer will make a thing as serious or as not serious as they want it to be, and um and, and the thing is about comic book characters uh is that the basically decades long game of telephone that happens uh, from writer to writer basically changing these characters at will, uh, you know um that are seem wildly inconsistent when you compare them to one another, you know, uh, Hickman's, uh, Jonathan Hickman's Dr. Doom is very different than, uh, uh, Jack Kirby's, um, Dr. Doom. So as far as serious moments and levity, you, you asked me the question and I thought you were going to ask me this question, but it, it, it's harder for me because when I think of when they want an issue to be serious, they'll hit you over the head with it. Um, you know, uh, comic books, they're as subtle or as unsubtle as they want to be. Uh, it, it, uh, so when I think back to the emotional arcs that get hit sometimes, your Age of Apocalypse, your Spider Island, your um, Hickman's Avengers run, um, these like, you know, uh, Battle for Manhattan or the planet or the uh, multiverse, um, in order to basically hammer home the stakes of the story as an author, you let in as much levity as you feel is absolutely necessary so as to not maybe put off your audience. But when you think of like Hickman's Avengers, so the multiverse is under threat and um, they're trying to figure out what's causing it, how to stop it, etc. And you basically have um, kind of world shattering re revelations being made. And, you know, in the next panel, Luke Cage will make a joke at, I don't know, the 
way that uh, Hank Pym smells or something like that. There, there's kind of always an element of, and like I said, they, uh, Marvel tries to do the street level character, the the idea that um, these are people that pay bills and have to deal with stuff all the time. And after 80 years of comic books now, after 80 years of publishing as Marvel Comics, there is kind of, they've kind of, uh, you know, jumped the shark in a way, is there's this joke that happens all the time where some god entity um, um, sentient shoe uh, fucking anything is happening and uh, the characters basically almost like look at the camera and they're just like huh a Tuesday night am I right and it's kind of just like whereas like if they were earlier in their publication history that would be like oh this is fine but you know it, it, in order for a ca- they're supposed to be human beings uh, first and foremost. No, and, and if you're being, dealing with that level of crap over and over again constantly, of course you're going to have kind of a yeah whatever bullshit kind and, of attitude. And that that's kind of the point, isn't it? Is that they have uh, Iron Man, Captain America, Captain Marvel, Spider-Man, Hulk, every single one of these guys has dealt with these things on a constant basis. Um, within comics, you know, even though comics have been running for about 80 years, in continuity when it comes to Marvel, I think only about 16 years has passed since basically the Marvel age starts with the rise of the Fantastic Four and now like modern day. So basically for every like couple of years in real time, uh, a few months pass and yeah. like comic time you know at this point you're dealing with incredibly jaded characters that just basically stare death in the face um every afternoon and so they um they can't take any of it seriously because it's just like oh okay another life-shattering event happening Uh, you know that's why a lot of their stories rely on personal stuff um you know relationships heartbreak uh that that's where the drama happens for a lot of these characters because it's just like oh another despot is like threatening um the uh coastal united states yeah that's the easy part of spider-man's days yeah oh i gotta stop the villain no big deal oh mary jane's upset shit yeah exactly and, and you know that that's so uh, as far as an individual example no i i can't really think of anything but as far as like a general oeuvre of uh marvel comics of like just all these jaded assholes who've just been fighting <laughs> crime and uh natural disasters for 16 years now straight and according to their timeline um almost every day i mean yeah if it's 16 years of best that is a daily occurrence for sure Oh yeah, and you know, uh, so it's it's um, because uh, when you ask me the question, the first thing that popped in my head is a terrible example, one that just doesn't meet it. Is that when nine eleven happened? This will probably be the the way to wrap things up is how we began them talking about nine eleven. Oh no, we're not done with this yet. We've got hours left. I don't know what you're thinking. <laughs> After nine eleven happened, Marvel put out a special edition comic that was kind of all the heroes. All the characters, uh, all based out of New York, um, yeah. because that's where Marvel Publishing just happened. When Hell's Kitchen, it's all, it's yeah, and um, basically all of them going along with the first responders to uh, you know, it, it, it's kind of this weird um, disconnect of these guys are able to stop world-shattering events on a constant basis, but they weren't Couldn't able to stop that. They weren't able to stop that point of the story. And I think it was, I can't remember who wrote it. I believe it was Ramita Jr. who uh, pen, uh, who um, uh, drew it. Um, but it was supposed to be taken seriously because it was serious for the writers and for the authors and for of the course. creators. And so there's just an incredibly somber tone 
I believe there's just a narrator. I don't know if there's any dialogue necessarily that happens in it or very little, but um, it's supposed to be such a tragic event that happens because it is a tragic event for us real world audience and creators. And it's supposed to be taken so seriously that all of these heroes went down to ground zero to help out. And it was so serious an event that even the villain showed up to help Magneto, Dr. Doom, kingpin and uh there's a very i remember distinctly a a close-up of dr doom as he cries behind his mask at the sheer brutality uh, and the horror of everything he saw at ground zero now i don't believe this comic exists in canon i'll have to look it up because it's i would imagine not that'd be a very difficult thing to have as a part of the canon because yeah you it would be hard not to reference yeah. And it would cause a lot of odd moments. I mean, in Marvel Comics, the Twin Towers are gone. They were taken down by the 9-11 attacks. Yeah. Um, as far as did the events play out that way, uh, uh, the way they did in this issue, um, that is a, a heart-wrenching issue. It is um, a very a serious reflection on what mankind can do to mankind. And that's what it was intended to be and there is not a joke in the entire issue it is played entirely straight and it you even see the worst characters in marvel comics despots um uh mutant supremacists and uh shitheads like the kingpin uh going down to ground zero to help even though that would be wildly out of character for a group of them but um yeah when you you asked me about are there examples of levity in disaster I thought of the worst example, which was no. Uh, they try, you know, they they have a platform, as uh, I do now, and they saw themselves as having the responsibility as grieving, as publicly mourning on behalf of uh, everything that happened on that day, and um, you know, not a joke to be told. I think even the, uh, I think even the publishing schedule got like screwed up because I'm of. I'm pretty sure it did. Yeah, I remember that happening. You know, a whole bunch of New York-based artists and writers, uh, to just like I don't feel like making a story about Spider-Man punching the Scorpion for the fiftieth time right now. Um, Three thousand people just died in my neighborhood. <laughs> it's, um, but the the whole point of this is you take the time you need. Whether and, and you know it. Sometimes, sometimes the release you need is not, it's not ignoring the grief that you feel. Sometimes it, it sometimes you need to tell the joke. Sometimes you need to be uh, a, a smart ass about it. And that's how you grieve. That's how you deal with it. But sometimes it's also about recognizing when you're just fucking upset and you just need to be upset for a second. Well, the interesting thing I hadn't actually thought about with my question about comic books is I had underestimated how commonly they did goof off while the serious stuff is happening. I wasn't thinking about individual characters. I was thinking the big scale things. Yeah. So I was curious about it. But once you started talking, it was like, oh, that's interesting. Because, of course, they are so jaded and there's so much they deal with that every moment is serious and they're still goofing off. Yeah. And that's so that's kind of how they handle it the whole time. Every day for them is that, life or death. But I also... With the the nine eleven thing, I think that they're kind of the they're the opposite of friends. They went the opposite direction. Mm-hmm. They went with, "Hey, we are entertainment, and we don't want to let this go without mentioning it. We yeah. need people to understand how important this was." Because as and 
as is the thesis of Hold No Heroes, is that um, everything is political, specifically when it comes to nerd culture. That's where this came from. Yeah. That, that's where it was. It was a whole bunch of socially conscious Jews, uh, immigrant Jews and their children that created this art form. Yeah. So it's just it's interesting that that was that was their take is they goof off enough during every serious event that's happening that when something is serious enough they will choose to just be like and we're going to put those jokes on hold because their their levity is so a part of every day of it every yeah. frame of it every comic of it that they only stop the jokes when something serious enough happens or just they have a point to make so it's kind of an interesting uh balance to kind of where we were going with it yeah you know I, it's there have been a lot of times where i've read comics and i'll usually binge read them i'll, I'll read uh I, I wait long periods of time and then i'll catch up on comics i'm still very behind on them uh to modern comics but um there are times where i kind of just it puts me in a dark mood in in the same mood that if i were to be reading the news um there is uh, a fun little thing that I noticed happening in modern day comics where it's like um, people are becoming socially conscious again. And, uh, you know, the, the writers and the creators of these stories are, I feel like, uh, reinvigorating the aspects that made comics what they were in their, um, when they were born. And um, so they're dealing with heavy issues, um, racism, privacy, um, gentrification, war uh, you know just uh, hor uh, br police brutality i mean the last couple of comics i read um it was a falcon com uh, story arc that dealt with police brutality it was a miss marvel story arc that had to deal with um profiling in light of racism um and the arc before that was about gentrification um you know uh, the things that you and i know about you and i talk about but here it is, a superhero comic that's talking about these things. And so... Yeah, not ignoring the reality and the hardships. Yeah, you know, uh, the villains that we see in our daily life are the uh, profilers, the racists, the stockbrokers, they, you know, the, the, the people that manipulate and abuse our, our economy. And it's interesting to go ahead and see at least Marvel Comics um, go in a way that says, yeah, they are the villains, aren't they? And so we went ahead and put a mask on them and gave them some superpowers. And now uh, the thing that makes them dangerous is not um, that they shoot lightning out their ass, but it's that they um, are so acceptable within our society. Yeah. That they are, you know, if they didn't shoot lightning out their ass or are a mask, they'd they be allowed to anything. They'd be allowed to continue as is uh, ruining people's lives and letting people just live in abject poverty and indignity. Well, I mean, even, I mean, DC deals with that a little bit, particularly uh, right now in their in their TV series. Mm -hmm. They deal with things like Lex Luthor and, Lu <laughs> and Lex Corp, and things where it's oh, sometimes it's it's not the supervillain who has power and is doing crazy things. Sometimes it's just, I'm sorry, has superpowers and mm -hmm. is doing crazy things. Sometimes it's just people who have authority or power, and it's how they abuse that and how it can uh, impact the world and impact the little guy and the big people. So yeah, just kind of goes in that direction but you know the the underlying theme is you got to do what you got to do in order to make it to the next day sometimes that means making the jokes and making light of the way things are sometimes that means just sitting in quiet reflection or um making a podcast and sort of venting about the different things yeah 
uh, and just going on wild tangents about this, that, or the other thing. I mean, we've talked about everything from 9-11 has come up a few times to, uh, you know, uh, 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 Marvel Comics to Friends to Saturday Night Live and uh, Iran. Though, entertainingly enough, I started this podcast with you saying I had two things to talk about, and I only talked about one of them. <laughs> I only say entertaining because I thought that that was the one that I wouldn't be able to easily put into the conversation. <laughs> My other one was pretty light and like not going to be a problem. I thought it would slide in real nice. And then 9-11 got brought up in the first 10 Five minutes. minutes. Yeah. It's like, oh, well, here, let's talk about friends. Yeah. So, you know, you never really know how things are going to go. Yeah. And, you know, you got you to give yourself room to express yourself. And that's ultimately what this podcast was for me. It was uh, yeah. a way to do that. Well, and the, my idea of having this today, this idea that I threw out at you, was just because... I knew that you needed some levity, and I knew that you needed to get out some of the heavy. I thought this was going to lean more towards the levity side. I think we got, we did a lot of that, but I think you also uh, went a lot towards the heavy, and I think that that's okay. As as I do. Well, but I, uh, I feel good. Yeah. I feel better having expressed myself. Yeah. It's, uh, it's something I had to learn. I didn't learn until like my late 20s, where I'm just like, oh, the things I keep inside, they're killing me. <laughs> Yes, they eat you from the inside. I need I need to let them out. And um, part of my process was always just like, I never let them out because one, I didn't want to be a bother on anyone, but two, I didn't feel like anyone was listening. And uh, it wasn't until uh, my late 20s, uh, now early 30s, where I'm just like, okay, it doesn't necessarily matter if anyone's listening. It's cool that you guys do. I really appreciate it. Um, but um, it still needs to be said. It's worth getting out. Sometimes you just need, it's the concept of venting. Sometimes you just need the words to come out of your mouth. You need it to come, you need that heaviness off of your heart. Even if it's just within you, it's just for you. It's, it is what it is, but it's, it's helpful for you. And hopefully people are listening to this and somebody hears it and maybe it helps them. Yeah. Maybe Uh, they have a moment where they're like, oh my God, that's exactly how I feel about this. And that's, that's a great idea. Yeah. But I, I hope. I hope other people find some catharsis. Uh, But with that, I think this is the spot to uh, wrap up on. Ken, thank you very much for uh, pitching this idea and for helping me out with this. And for for the listeners of Hold No Heroes by Richard Doom, I am pushing him to help him through the issues that he's got with the feeling weird about reaching out to people to be on this i think once he gets on a schedule and feels good about it i think it's going to be real nice and uh, i'm going to just be keep pushing him just poking him in the back every once in a while going hey when's your next podcast because <laughs> sometimes you need it i know yep. i do i certainly when i've got something i should be doing or want to be doing sometimes i need that extra little kick should be doing i have no problem doing those things uh when it comes to want to be doing man those things get put on the back burner but uh, i'm hoping that this is uh it's momentum and this is creating some and i really appreciate it anytime all right heroes Uh, until next time take care take care